Hello and welcome to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. My name is Patrick Rice. I'm joined in studio with my good friend, brother in Christ, Dan Demite. What is up, Patrick? Dan, I have a really, really fun uh, announcement. Oh, wow. Normally, Encounter Radio, we have this format where we just bring on uh, guests and they share their life-changing encounters of how, you know, of they're, how they're an ordinary person that launched them into life of extraordinary mission, and we love that. Yeah. But I'm getting kind of bored by that, Dan. Oh, no. I'm really sorry. I'm getting bored because I feel like God actually doesn't want to limit the witnesses that are going on just to the present right now. What? What do you yeah, mean by that? This is the first show where we're going to go through the life-changing encounters of, of biblical characters that launch them into their lives of extraordinary mission. Nice. You like that? That's a great idea. So this is, if you're listening to this show, this is, the, this is a pilot episode, okay? So today we have on my good friend, and I hope, I think he's a member of the body of Christ somewhere oh, yeah. in heaven. Yeah, His name yeah. is Gideon. Let's hey, give it up for Gideon. Gideon. Gideon's going to be show. on the show today. Wow. He, um, he appeared in Salvation History in <laughs> Judges 6 through 8. He's got three of his own chapters. Wow. I don't know about you, Dan, but I want three chapters somewhere yeah, in that'd some be great. holy book. In Salvation History, but, three chapters, Lord. But not like a messed up hagiography with stuff I didn't actually do. <laughs> I want stuff that really happened. And the thing is, the, the stuff that, that Gideon has here in Judges 6 through 8 actually happened. Mm. And one thing I love here is that... Um, you know, we the, the the power of this show. There's so many people that have come to uh, to be encouraged by this show. Is that our, our, the show is we're sharing what God has done, and that builds faith. That if He's done that in this person's life, He can do that in our life. So I feel like the fruit of the of testimony is encouragement, is faith, and so. I mean, what better place that we could go than see what how how people have encountered God in Scripture. Yeah, and it's so important that we understand that what God accomplishes in the lives of those we know he, he wants to accomplish in our lives. But likewise, the stories of Scripture are not like fables and made up. Like this is this is like a historical account of Gideon's life, and God accomplished something in his life that he wants to accomplish in our lives. And like, like, like anybody else, he was an ordinary person that had a supernatural encounter with God that led him into a life of extraordinary mission. And so, like, this is literally, this is God's game plan for every person. From, you know, Adam and Eve at the beginning, all the way to Gideon, all the way to Mary and uh, and the angel, and then all the way to us right here in 2018. I love what you said, Dan, at our at our, our, our ministry school that, you know, um, God is not done writing the, the, the acts of his apostles. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is Acts chapter 2018, right? That there's always new chapters being added to the Acts of the Apostles because we are in the... Apostolic, Apostolic age. age. Yeah, man. So good. So you got you can have three chapters in the Acts of the Apostles, listeners. Isn't that great? I want three chapters. And we're not going to... I'll take six if I, I can get six, but... Yeah, you can do that. You're, <laughs> holy agree. That's a good thing, I think. So one thing, too, I mean, we always talk about the themes that are going to be present. And um, there's actually... Uh, one of the biggest themes I see in the life of Gideon is identity. Mm. Is that God actually speaks to him about who he is before he before Gideon even knows who he is. Uh, in God, like what God's plan is for him. And I kind of, I want to share with you a story about, um, I think a shortcoming, I share a lot of uh, stories about, you know, triumphs and things like that. But I want to, I want to share a story, Dan, with you and our listeners about a a time that um, recently they happened where I kind of forgot who I was. Um, Mm. My wife had ordered pizza at a restaurant. It was like an Italian restaurant that had just opened near our house. It wood fired pizzas. It was awesome. Nice. So Joseph and I, 
my son, my oldest son, we drove out to go pick it up and we, we you have to go into the restaurant and pay for it. And I'm walking around, I'm walking in and I'm going down and you have to pick out, the carry out is at the end of the bar. So I had to walk down the bar and as I walked down the bar, there was a woman by herself in like her 60s. She looked like she was newly retired. Um, she was sitting by herself, just like sipping a martini, watching TV. And as I walked by her, I just felt that holy prompting, like, go love on her, go talk to her. And I just like avoided I'm like, I got to get the pizza. <laughs> and so I got the pizza and I paid for it. And I, and I kept, she kept being highlighted to me in the spirit. And, um, and literally, once again, I kept fighting that prompting. And, um, and then I, I paid for my pizza and I took it. And as I'm walking by again, I feel like the Holy Spirit's screaming, like, stop, talk to her. And then I came up with another excuse, like, well, if I talk to her and we end up doing something like a long, like if I pray for healing, the pizza's going to get cold. My family's going to hate me. What the, the lamest excuse, Dan? <laughs> and so I literally, I left the restaurant and literally like, what's going on? Like, you know, that that's not who I am. Yeah. It's like in that moment, I forgot who I was. I forgot. Uh, it, it was fear that kind of captivated me. And I, and I, and I, I'm going to share what happened later, but um, literally, I think that's what happens with Gideon. Gideon is someone who's, uh, who's called by God, but he doesn't even know who he is. And he doubts what God's actually calling him to do in that moment. And yeah. I, I don't know, can you speak a little bit about um, identity and mission and how they go together? Yeah, well, I think just to highlight what you were saying is that that is when, when God prompts your heart with, a, and you're using the word highlighted someone, right? Like that mm-hmm. is... That is the Holy Spirit operating inside of you, and I think that happens to all of us, right? Like, so that's not something create. Like, I think we're, we're at work, and God highlights someone and says, "Oh, I want you to say something," or He starts like prompting us in, internally, internally to say something or to love someone in some way, and we we kind of just shy away from that from fear, right? And when we know that we are on mission for God and that we are His sons and His daughters, and He He's, you know, Scripture says, Saint Paul says that you are no longer slaves but sons, and as sons you are heirs, right? And as an heir, I have the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. And when I walk around as as a son and as an heir, I I get to give the the fullness of the kingdom to those who I I, I share with, right? And if I mean, you could imagine like a king or a queen or a prince or a princess like walking the streets and, and loving their people and just blessing them with the abundance that they have, right? Lavishing the abundance of the kingdom upon those who are in need. And that's what we do as sons and daughters of the King of Kings, as heirs to the kingdom, that we just walk and we lavish the the glory of the kingdom, the abundance of the kingdom up upon those. But if, if we're operating as sons, then we're on mission, right? Mm-hmm. But if we're operating as slaves, we don't know who we are, and we, we're slaves to fear. We're slaves to uh, our schedules and our yep. agendas. We're, we're, we're slaves to uh, the just the to-do list. And that's where, like, that, 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 that slavery to the to-do list, that slavery um, to fear, it just it cripples us to allow, uh, from allowing us to be heirs and to, to lavish the goodness of the treasures of the kingdom upon his people. Yeah, it's like the schedule can become an idol. Like, you either live in the present— um, or you, you live according to your control, like the plan that you have for the day. If you don't live in the present, then you're not going to live in the presence. Yeah. One of, one of the, uh, coolest prayers, uh, someone taught me one time was Lord, make my day interruptible. <laughs> Isn't that the worst prayer yeah. ever, but a great prayer, like Lord, make my day interruptible. And I know that when I start my morning with prayer and, and I surrender my schedule over to the Lord and my time over to the Lord, it's a lot easier 
to allow him to make my day interruptible. Now, we're going to bring Gideon on the show. Don't get me wrong. We're oh, not yeah. just going to comment Come on, on Gideon. this stuff. Okay? Yeah. Gideon, he's, he's here. Okay? He's got a lot to say today. He's got a lot to say. But another thing I want to talk about is there's a lot of people that we've met, Dan, that have had supernatural encounters with God, but they doubt them. Yeah. And they fall away and then... You know, you, they, they can. I think that the fact that they don't respond um, and doubt kind of creeps in can lead people to shame and to even not being even more open. But the thing about Gideon is that he actually he's one of the people that has one of the most supernatural encounters with God, and he doubts what God's calling him to do. Hardcore, okay. Yep. And here's the cool thing: I feel like Gideon uh, Gideon can teach us how like. Doubt is actually not necessarily a sinful. It's like every everyone, I think the temptation to doubt is normal, but not working through it with God is not normal. He worked through his doubt with God, and I'm so excited to bring him on the show to share how he did that. And I feel like the, what he did can be a guidepost for us and how we're going to engage in our doubt with God. It's so good. Wow, this is amazing. I can't wait to hear from Gideon. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, You know, he, he's he's handsome. He's He's ruddy. He's, 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 he's everything so well you spoken. want in a modern man. Yeah, he's everything you want in a modern man. He's strong and capable. Yeah, I don't know how tall he is. Though. I don't know either. That's I'm sure he's probably described. pretty short. Yeah. <laughs> but um, anyways, so that I, I, that's another thing too is, is doubt. They're like, did this really happen? How could I do this? And the thing is, God, God called him to do something absolutely impossible. Not just to do something impossible with natural means like, hey, go... Uh, Go build a skyscraper. Oh, and here are the biggest rigs and everything. It's like, hey, build, Gideon, build a skyscraper, and here's a saw and some two-by-fours. And, like, you're not allowed to have these other things to build it with. Um, he called him – he didn't call him to build a tower. I'm using an analogy, listeners. Yep. But that, that's the thing. If, if, if we don't do um, – if God calls us to do something impossible – and that we can do it on our, on our own, it wouldn't be us. It, would, it, it wouldn't be God. It would be, it would be us. Yeah. When I think there's two ways a doubt manifests itself, right? You can have doubt like in the um, that what God did didn't actually happen. But then I think there's also a way, and you see this in Gideon's life that um, that he comes against this. That you you can have the doubt in a way that you forget what God has done, right? That God won't act in the same way in the present moment, and and that like. God has lavished his goodness upon us in our lives. And when we face present difficulties, it's so important to remember what God has done in our past to prove himself and his his, uh, his dependability and his providence and to bring that into the present moment and say, you know what? God was present then and he's present now, right? Mm-hmm. God uh, was good then and he's good now. And to, to remain faithful in the present moment and in the present circumstance based off of the goodness of what God has done in the past and the faithfulness he's shown in the past. And the, and the, the, the other cool thing I love about this story is that it starts off with God sending a prophet, not to tell first about what he's going to do in like now or the future. He actually starts telling him, telling the Israelites about what God has done in the past. And so prophets throughout salvation history, they first pointed to the faithfulness of God in the past. Yep. And then that created faith for them to, him to, them to speak the word about what he's going to do in the future. 
Yeah. He's a faithful God. And that's exactly like, so we, we hear the story of Gideon, and when we face circumstances in our own life, we can say to ourselves, you know what? God worked this way in Gideon's life. He can work this way in my life. God worked this way in Paul's life. He can work this way in my life. God worked this way in Our Lady's life. He can work this way in my life. But that's why we do testimony. That's why we share the accounts of how God worked in other people's lives. Not so that this can become... um you know, a Catholic heroes episode where we just like talk about how some people are really amazing and awesome, but so that we can know how God operates so that we can expect that God's going to operate in the same way in our life. Because of who we are and who he is. Sons and daughters, him, creator of the universe. This is a divine setup. I love it. I, I'm already too excited. Okay. I think we need to stop more. Let's take a break. Okay. And then we're going to bring my good friend Gideon on the show. And, um, yeah, you're listening to encounter a co-production of St. Gabriel radio, EWTN radio, and carried across the EWTN global Catholic radio network. When you, we come back from this break, you're going to hear from Gideon. Oh, it's time for your favorite EWTN program, but there's no radio. No problem. Download the EWTN app at EWTN.com slash mobile and enjoy on-demand live streams of your favorite EWTN radio and TV shows right now. When you deal with God, get out of the way. The incomparable Mother Angelica. She broke the mold of Catholic teaching with her one-of-a-kind perspective. From her spunky spiritual growth talks to her eye-opening scripture study. A nun like none other. I intend to scare hell out of you. She was the one, the only, the non-forgettable Mother Angelica. Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio and Television. Father John Ricardo. When you and I wake up every day, do we strive to know Jesus or not? Quick question to you and me right now. Is that what you and I are doing every single day? The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. And I'm so pleased to welcome Gideon on the show. Hey, welcome, Gideon. welcome, Gideon. And some of you are like, where's Gideon? <laughs> He's in the Bible. Okay. So we're going to be bringing in Gideon through the Word of God. Mm. So everything, once again, everything that I'm sharing with you is, is based out of Judges 6 through 8. He's got three whole chapters on himself. So I want to give you the backstory of Gideon, okay? So Gideon, uh, we have uh, this this backdrop of Israel has just um, been delivered from her enemies through the judge and prophetess Deborah. They enjoy 40 years of peace, but then they turn away from God. They sin. They start worshiping Baal, Asherah, all these idol false gods. And then they get, um, they get oppressed by the Midianites, the Amalekites for seven years. Midianites are like huge in number and they're destroying crops. So literally, they would, they would, their plan was to keep the Israelites in poverty. They didn't want to like go to war. So they would, during the, the time of harvest, they would all bring the, they would encamp around Israel. And then they'd actually go into the fields and destroy all their crops, steal their crops. So Israel was reduced to utter poverty. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's basically the backdrop that we have. But then the Israelites, what, what do they do? They cry out to the Lord to save them. And then the Lord sends a, a prophet. Okay. And this is what the prophet says. This is uh, chapter 6, verse 8. He says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt, 
From the hand of all your oppressors, I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you will live. But you did not listen to me. So the first thing the prophet says is what I've already done. So this is so key. Like literally when you fall into a time of like uh, oppression or the church or the people of God that are just like being um, persecutor or whatever it is, the God always wants to speak about what he's already done. And we mentioned that in the beginning, but here's, here's the deal. Gideon is actually, this is the, the, the background he's called into. And I believe that this is actually a divine setup. Okay. Whenever you see dire circumstances start, starting to rise up in people, God is always setting people up for a great victory. What are the circumstances we're living in, Dan? We're living in a time where, I mean, what's the reality? Catholics are leaving the church in record numbers. How many confirmed Catholics are not staying Catholic, Dan? Yeah, they say about 83% of like Catholic youth who are confirmed will fall away from their faith within 10 years after confirmation. Yeah. Isn't that um, nuts? The world apparently thinks that we're powerless. They can just sue us. They can go after us. They can steal our people. Yeah, they and, say you can't mention Jesus' name in yeah. public. You can't mention Jesus' names in the workplace and schools. It's offensive, right? Yeah. No, this is the entire, this is not just the Catholic Church. This is Christianity yeah. in our, in our backdrop. Okay. Um, so then this is, this is basically like what, what happens, but I feel like just like uh, Gideon and the, the Israelites were being oppressed, we're being oppressed and we need to look at what we're going on and be like, whoa, God is setting us up for an amazing victory. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then from that, it, there's an angel of the Lord that comes down and he, he actually, he finds the angel comes to Gideon. Gideon is actually hiding in a wine press, a wine press like in the ground. Okay. And what he's doing, he's actually um, gathering wheat, and he's threshing wheat, and he's trying to keep it from the Midianites, all right? So he's trying to like take the little that he has yep. and try and save it. And then the angel, in verse 12, he appears, uh, appears to Gideon and says, um, Hail Gideon, valiant warrior. Hail Gideon, valiant war- warrior. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Gideon, you're a valiant warrior. How is that... Not logical. <laughs> He's hiding in a wine press. Yep. Meanwhile, the Midianites are encamped around Israel. They're going to attack and destroy all their crops. Gideon's hiding. He's trying to save the little that he has. And the angel of the Lord calls him a mighty warrior. Was he a mighty warrior? I no, Not in the, not not in the, in the present. Yeah, not in the world's perspective. Not even in his own perspective, yeah. right? But what is God doing? God is calling something that's not as it already is. He's saying, he's speaking to his identity. You're a mighty man of valor, Gideon. You're a mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. And that's like, God is speaking prophecy over Gideon. That I don't, that right, although you're not right now a mighty warrior, you're going to be. And that's going to actually manifest. So then Gideon is sitting there, and in verse 13, but Gideon says, um, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring you out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the, to the hand of Midian. Whoa. So what, what's he doing, Dan? He's like, he's responding to the Lord and saying like, oh yeah? Well, if this is, if, if, if God is really with us, if he's really with me, then why is this happening to us? Where are all the miracles? And I feel like in the same way, we look around, we, like the, the, the church, is under attack from the world and, uh, you know, anti-Christian forces of darkness, you know, powers and principalities out there. 
And what do the people of God say? We're powerless. Where are all the miracles that we heard about in the lives of the saints, in the book of Acts, in the life of Christ? And I think that's a fair question, okay? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, have you, have you ever felt that way? Have yeah. you ever wondered, like, you know, I've, I, I know about Padre Pio, St. Anthony, Moses, Jesus, Peter, you know, but that was, your, that, that was my prayer for so long. And I feel like that's a normal response that we, we have. Yeah, you know, I think this is, this is our story, right? Like, salvation history is our story. This is our, this is our family. So what that prophet was reminding the, the, the people of God about was, hey, listen, this is your family who was delivered from Egypt, and are you going to lay claim to your family heritage? Like, you are free people, and God has worked miraculously in your life to bring you out of the hands of the obstruction, um, out of the hands of the oppressor, and, and to pass through the Red Sea, and to bring you into a, a promised land, right? To bring you into freedom and victory. And uh, we look at the life of the saints, and we look at the lives uh, in the New Testament, and we should say, wait, these this is our family. These are our brothers and sisters, and God accomplishes work in their lives, and God's going to accomplish this work in my life, right? And mm-hmm. I, So I do. I think there's a, an element in my own life where um, for a long time, I was just kind of like, you know, is this like, there, there was this hunger in prayer, and there's still a hunger in prayer in me to say like, God, I want what you've done in the history of the church, I want you to accomplish in my life as well. Like, I want, I want to be a part of salvation history. I want to be a part of of this this amazing work that you are accomplishing in your family, are you going to bring me into that? Amen. And this is how God actually responds to the angel. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? In other words, does God actually answer his question like, Why have you abandoned us? Why have, you know, where are all the miracles? He doesn't say like, Oh, well, let me, let me tell you why. He doesn't give him like an apologetic response. He says, <laughs> Go, <laughs> he says, go in the strength that you have and save Israel. You be the miracle. Yep. Gideon, you know, am I not, am I not sending you? So I feel like if that's you, if you've wondered like, where are all the miracles? I think God's saying to you, well, how about you go and do something? You know, he's the one that's to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Go do it. Is God, with, God is with you. Yep. If God's with Gideon in the Old Testament, which is a far lesser covenant, I think he's going to be with us even more. This is just good encouragement, I feel. When I, I just love that. So, hail, you know, hail, mighty warrior. Hail, man of valor. The Lord is with you. Like that um, he heard from the Lord who he was called to be. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we hear this all the time. Hail, Mary, full of grace. The, the Lord, Lord is be with, with you, you. Right? That like there's that Mary knew who she was. Gideon mm-hmm. discovered who he was. And you have to go to the Lord and let him give you your identity as opposed to going to the world and allowing the world to give you your identity. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, uh, Gideon wasn't a mighty warrior in his, in his family's eyes or in the world's eyes. Right. He didn't have all of the attributes of that. And he goes on to, to talk about that. Yeah. And, and actually right there, he says, verse 15, but Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. Yeah. So he's coming up with excuses. So like God calls you to do something big, and the first thing that Gideon does is he starts coming up with excuses. Well, not only excuses, he's revealing his false identity there, right? Yeah. That he this is who he's now made himself. I'm the weakest. I'm part of the weak and 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 God's trying to change his mind, re, you know, uh, give him a renewal of the mind so that he knows who he is. You're not the weakest. You're yeah. a son. You're no longer a slave. You're a son. You're an heir. Oh, but Dan, I, d- I didn't go to Notre Dame. I didn't go to Harvard. <laughs> I don't have like all this money and wealth. Well, great. You're qualified. Yeah. Okay. 
Yep. So not if you went to Harvard, Notre Dame, you're not qualified. Well, and, and just who's, saying it doesn't help you any more than it helps me. And, and uh, which family ties are we connecting ourselves with, right? So so Gideon here is connecting himself with his family tie uh, of the world. But what's our supernatural family? And is that do I if I, I I could look at my family and be like, you know what, ah, I'm not I'm not called to that much because my family hasn't accomplished that much. Or I could look to my family, my supernatural family, yep. and say, hey, you know what? I'm, just, I'm part of the strongest family. Like Peter and Paul, all the angels, all the saints are my brothers and sisters. And I don't come from the weakest clan. I come from the strongest clan. This is my people. I am no longer a slave. I am a son. And how does the Lord answer him from his, uh, you know, from these excuses? He says this, I will be with you and you will, you will strike down all the Midianites together. I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites. So once again, he is not answering him the way that he's trying to answer him. He's saying, I will be with you. I will be with you. Whenever God says he's going to be with us, there's a commissioning. Yeah. So whenever we're commissioned, like this, this is, this is huge. Okay. Um, we know that like that is a commission. You now have authority to do the thing that God's called you to do. So how can you do? So when God calls you to do something, you, if you've heard his voice in prayer, if he's put a dream, a desire on your heart, how are you going to be able to do it? Because he told you to, you now have supernatural authority. The commission comes, the uh, the authority that you have comes in the commission that he's called you to do it. This is just God's way. So three, you know, multiple times he's saying, you're going to do it because I'm with you. And then Gideon replied, if I found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away and come back and... Um, let me bring an offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait for you to return. So number one, Gideon saying, if it's really you, I mean, has anyone here out there ever wondered if they're actually hearing from God? That's okay. Gideon was, was talking to an angel in the flesh <laughs> and wondering if it was God. Yeah. All right. That's totally fine. So number one, you can confirm things from God. God doesn't want, uh, he, he wants you to have faith, but he's, he, he's going to actually meet you right where you are. Yeah. And so he goes off. And he gets like you know some meat, makes bakes, makes a little cake mm, and some broth. Sounds good. Yeah, sounds what I'm good. About. Yeah. Um, and then he brings it to the angel. The angel puts it on a rock, and all of a sudden, fire comes from out of the rock and Whoa. totally consumes the whole thing. Nice, super so he's natural. One hundred percent, like sure now that that is the Lord saying. You would think that. You would think that fire coming from rocks doesn't usually happen. I know. Um, it, listeners, if you've ever had. One of your offerings consumed from a rock, and you're still doubting. <laughs> I've got good news Dude, for you. I was trying to eat dinner last night, and fire came out of our table and just consumed our whole dinner. You're a liar, like, what Dan. The heck? No. You're a liar, Dan. <laughs> oh man. Um. Anyways, then <laughs> it gets even better. So you're you're thinking to yourself, man. I would never doubt that. Well, great. You're better than Gideon. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad you're not in the studio to lambast him with your pride. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah. Anyways, so then. <laughs> Uh, the angel of the Lord tells him, like, okay, um, here's what you need to do, all right? You need to go tear down the altar of Baal and the pole of Asherah, all right? Uh, and then I need you to erect a, an altar to the Lord and sacrifice on it, sacrifice a goat, okay? So Gideon's like, all right, I'll do it. But he's afraid to go do that um, during the daytime. Yep. So he takes some of his buddies and he does it at night, okay? And then... All of a sudden, uh, I mean, he tears down the, 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 these idols, the, the, the pole and the altar, and, um, and then, you know, he erects and he does the sacrifice and everything. And in the morning, okay, 
Every all the townspeople they get up, they say Baal's altar demolished, the pole of Asherah cut down, and a sacrifice, um, a, a, the sacrifice bull sacrificed on the newly built altar. And they ask themselves, who did this? Okay, and they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. Mm-hmm. And then all of these people they they come together, and you know, he, he, here's the deal: this is his father's clan. His father was living with all of these these idols. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Gideon is the one that actually tore it all down. So then all of these people come out and they start demanding Gideon's head and they call out Joash, his father. And they're like, Joash, send us your son Gideon. We need to put him to death. All the, we need to avenge what happened to Baal and Asherah. And then, um, basically Gideon's father, he, you know, he, he gets really encouraged and he says, if Baal is really God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. <laughs> I love make, that. Make Baal content for himself. Yeah. Yep. And so people stopped. They stopped going after Gideon because of Joash's father. And here's the interesting thing. When one person does something in act of courage, it breeds courage in other people. Yeah. So before that, like everyone was living under fear. It took simply one act of courage from Gideon responding to God's promptings that actually brought encouragement to the other people to stand against What's keeping these people in poverty? I love that. Well, it seemed like his dad, his dad wasn't angry that the the altar to Baal was was torn down, right? It, it almost seems like he didn't want that altar there anyway, but he uh, he permitted it and he allowed it. He allowed it because of fear, right? And so when Gideon showed that courage, it inspired his father to actually be, live with the courage that he actually wanted to live. And and just imagine how when you're courageous, it inspires others to be courageous. And when you feel like, oh man, I'm the only one who believes this. I'm the only one who thinks this. You're probably not. Yeah. You you just need to be the first one to put yourself out there to risk to risk yourself and then others will get behind you. Amen. I mean, are you going to, listeners, are you going to be the one? Are you going to be the one to do something courageous. I, I'm, this is a question. What injustice is around you that n- something needs to happen? Maybe your one act of courage will start a movement, will start a revival. I hear people like say often that like, oh man, I feel like no one at work thinks like me, right? And I, I just don't believe that. Like, I actually don't think the whole world has turned against Christ. Like, I actually think there's a lot of people who still hunger for basic Judeo-Christian values and beliefs. They just, they need someone to rally behind and to be the voice of courage in the midst of, in the midst of the, the world. And so, um, I would challenge you if you feel that way, if you feel like you're all alone, maybe you haven't put yourself out there yet and allowed others to rally behind you. So good. I love it. So then we're going to keep going on the story. All right. So then um, Gideon, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Gideon, and then he actually, he, he blows the trumpet, and he starts rallying people to him. And all these people, they hear about what just happened. Gideon just tore down these, you know, the, the altar of Baal, the pole of Asherah. Now he's calling us together. What happens? They, he gets 22,000 people. 22,000 people. Yeah, he started the movement after one act of courage. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I think that Man should encourage you. So you do one act of courage, you're going to start a movement. People are going to start following you because of the, the courage that's over you. And then, uh, you know, Gideon says to God, if, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you're promised, okay, look, I will place a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and on the, and the ground all around it is dry, then I will know that you'll save Israel by my hand. So once again, he's already got the fire from the rock. He's already got 22,000 people now, and he's mm. saying, 
God, if your word is really true, I'm just going to want to put this fleece out there. And <laughs> just I not quite sure yet. Supernatural thing. And he, God doesn't tell him to do this, but he's like coming up with it. Yeah. And that's totally, that's actually, I think, I think it's legal. Have you I, ever done that in your prayer life? Yes. Like. <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah I, I, I from just, different points in my life, I've asked for signs, and uh, I've gotten like various degrees. And then sometimes, you know, I've, I've been a little slapped upside the head by the Lord. But well, um, oh, and I think it's funny because you just picture like he's probably in his room praying, and he's just like, "Well, what, what kind of a sign can I add? Oh, I got this random wolf leash right here. Like, let's just go with what I got here." Yeah, yeah, and this would never happen. So, okay, I'm gonna have some certainty on this. So he asks for a sign. So number one, asking for a sign is legal. Okay. And then this is what happens the next day. The he he actually the ground around it was all dry. The 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 fleece was completely covered and and uh, with with water. And then he squeezed the dew out. And uh, and then he says, "God, do not be angry with me. Let me just make one more request. Allow me to take one more test with the fleece. This time, make the gr- make the fleece dry and the ground covered with dew. That night, God did so. Only the fleece was dry." And the ground was covered with dew. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Right? That's amazing. God's like, <laughs> I thought the fire was kind of a bigger sign, but I guess we yeah. can do the fleece. So ask and you will receive. Right? Yeah. Seek and you shall find. So now we're moving on to chapter seven. I wow. love this. So cha- that's his first chapter in the book. Yeah. So awesome. then, you know, Gideon is, you know, he, he's got 22,000 men. And the Lord says, in chapter seven, verse two, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into your hands in order that Israel might not boast against me that her own strength saved her. Announce now to the people, anyone who trembles with fear, turn back, leave Mount Gilead where they were. And so 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. So I got that wrong. He had 32,000 32, Sorry, Lord. Yeah. Um, yeah. He had 32,000 people. And I, don't you love God's response? There's too many people here. Your army's your army's way too big. Dude. Hey, uh, Dan, you have way too money. Damascus has way too much money. I was actually thinking that when I was reading this, this this morning. I was like, oh my goodness, if God asked me to give like the money from our ministry away, he's like, Dan, I want you to give two thirds of your ministry uh, your Dan, money away. Give your money to EWTN. <laughs> Do it. Okay. Double yes, it. Lord. Yes, Double Lord. It. Yes. <laughs> I will if, if this fleece turns wet overnight. Yes. So that that's exactly what happens. He's like, you have too much men. You have too much money. You have too much influence. Whatever the too much might be, God actually, he it's his goodwill and his desire to accomplish things in a supernatural way. If he did it through the men, it would be natural. But God actually is in the business of doing signs, wonders, and miracles. Yeah. He and he even says it. He doesn't want it, he doesn't want the the victory over the the army to be mistaken with just natural causes. That, how, hey, you had 32,000 men. Of course you won, right? Yeah, and how did how did Jesus, you know, conquer his enemies? You know, he, he did things that were supernaturally impossible. Hey, you Mr. Blind Man, go wash in the pool of Siloam, mm-hmm. right? And the, the blind can see. If, if he was able to, like, you know, set up all of the clinics and, you know create hearing aids and things like that to give people better quality of life. They'd be like, oh, it's Jesus, the great scientist. No, that's not Jesus's plan. And he's still in the business of doing supernatural demonstrations to actually, so people would know, oh my gosh, that has to be God. That's impossible. You know, too, I think it was, it's interesting because the first question is anyone who's afraid, 
you you can leave. And the Lord is almost giving, he's, he's asking for fear to be removed from the situation, right? That we're going to go into battle and it's not about your human resources. It's about your, your faithfulness. And you see that all through scripture that whenever the Lord brings victory, it's not because of human resources, it's because of faithfulness. And so fear be gone in the name of Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so so 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. So now we have an army of 10,000. Okay, so now the odds are, are not quite all that well. So should the Lord yeah. just be like, all right, let's do it. No, the Lord no. said there are still too many men, <laughs> Oh, still Gideon. too many. Gideon, you're an idiot. <laughs> you still have too many men. That wasn't, okay? that, which verse was that, Gideon, you're an idiot? Was uh, that in there? That's in the new amplified Patrick version. Oh, okay, right. got it. <laughs> Take them down to the water, and I will sift them out there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if not, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So the Lord took him down to the water. And then the Lord said to him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped their hands to their mouth. All the rest got down to their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go into his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of of the others. So they took the provisions, the food, and the trumpets, okay? Doesn't say anything about swords, catapults. Or anything like, you know, staging ram, yeah. rams well, or thing like that. Well, and I, I just love how the Lord selects his his chosen people. Which, like, uh, we're going to select the people based on how they drink water. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's just, that's, it's not, we're going to pick the, the strongest 300 men. We're going to pick the wisest 300 men. We're just going to pick, we're, we're going to pick those who are called. You know, I'm going to do on my next application for like interns. It's going to be know. like. How do, how do you drink your water? Check one. You kneel down at the river or you lap it like a dog? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be a great way to just sift them out. It's yeah. biblical, Dan. Yeah, it's biblical. Don't judge me. All right. All right. So then, so he had, they have 300 people, okay? But now, okay, um, now this is what happens. The Lord said, with 300 men, can I save Israel? Okay? He's like asking him, okay? So Gideon sent the rest away. They have all the trumpets, Okay. And then in verse 8, it says, Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During the night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give, give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura went down to the camp. This, isn't this crazy? God's saying, hey, if you're still scared, just go listen to the enemy. Doesn't that sound like the most counterintuitive thing to do? Yeah, it yeah. does. Okay. And so he's like, you know, if, if you're still scared, like Gideon, I know you. So I'm going to tell you, if you're still, you know, a little afraid, go into the camp and listen to what they're talking about you. And so Gideon that night, he sneaks down to the camp, you know, that he's, he's going to go spy and see what's going on. And as he gets down there, he overhears, you know, from a distance, he overhears a man recounting a dream. And he says, I have a dream of the round barley, a a round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into our camp and it struck the tent with such force that the tent turned over and collapsed. His friend responded, this could be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Ah! So Gideon hears them and he gets encouraged from the enemy. Mm -hmm. Isn't that amazing? Like God knew who he was. The angel knew who he was. His men knew who he was. The enemy knew who he was, but the only one that didn't know who, who he was was Gideon. Mm. 
What's he doing? Over and over, God's trying to show him, look, you need to believe who you are. I told you through, I told you myself, I told you through the angel, I told you, I told your your your, your followers, I'm telling the enemies, are you going to believe who you are? And you need to have faith in God, but you also need to have faith in yourself. Yep. So what's God doing? He's not just you know showing off again. He's trying to teach who he is. That if we're going to do the things that God's called us to do, we have to have faith in ourselves. okay? And literally, this might scare a lot of people, okay? It might scare a lot of people thinking like, I need to have faith in myself. Okay, to a lot of people, confidence looks like pride and arrogance, mm-hmm. but not at all. I'm, I'm not, I'm, that's false humility, okay? Teresa of Avila simply said that humility is acknowledging the truth, that you need to have confidence in yourself. He believes in you. It's time for you to believe in you. Yep. Okay, so this is exactly what God did. So Gideon, at that point, he realizes who he is, okay? And then he gathers all the people together. He gathers his 300 men, and he says, okay, the Lord's delivered the camp into our hands, okay? And there's no testimony in the rest of Scripture about God telling him to do what he's going to tell him to do. So he says, okay, guys, huddle up. So they have this 300 men huddle. We're going to surround the camp. We're going to take our horn. And I want you to take a take a lamp and and put it inside of, you know, put put it inside of a jar, like your clay jar, so no one can see the lamp. It's it's in the jar, and then when you you know on the count of three or, or when you see me doing it, I want you to break the lamp, blow the trumpet, and say, "For the Lord and for Gideon." Mm, can this you, is a brilliant plan. Can you imagine like the guys around him? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, um, you want us to blow a horn? You're gonna, we're going to blow the horn. What about when do we bring our sword? Don't bring out your no, sword. We don't even need the sword. We don't need the sword. We're leaving those by the, the guys who were lapping the water. It's like this. He understood who he was and he's like, you know, this is going to happen. So it, it doesn't matter how you do it, Gideon. You could come up with the craziest plan and God's going to be with you and do it. So then he goes on and, uh, and he, he says, Follow my lead to the edge of camp, all right? So then um, they, they get out there, they surround the camp, and grasping the torches in their, in their left hand and holding the trumpets in their right hands. Dan, I know you're, you're left-handed, but you need to hold the trumpet with your right. Oh, got Can it. Can you do that? Got it, yep. All right. <laughs> for the Lord and for Gideon! Yeah, and so, that's, that, that's, so then they, they were to blow, and then they shouted this. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. I love that. The army fled to Beth Shitta toward Zerah. Don't laugh at that. Yeah. And it's the border of Abel and all these other places. And they started like killing themselves. Okay. Isn't that the most amazing battle? You don't have the, the most amazing battle is that which you don't have to fight. Yeah, they, <laughs> they so never good. fight, right? The, they didn't even have to fight. They turn against themselves out of fear, out of fear, out of fear. And, and Gideon had no fear. The men had no fear. They had faith, and so they ended up being able to pursue them and and actually like destroying their enemy. Isn't that amazing? And they they ended up Gideon um, and the three hundred men. They started pursuing them as they were they were getting they were slaughtering themselves. And then as it goes on, we don't have time to go through the, the rest of chapter 8, but it, Gideon goes to all the different tribes and starts gathering up men, and they start following Gideon to completely destroying uh, these men. And then they ended up having 40 more years of peace. 40 more years of peace for Gideon. Amen. And this is, the, this is it. We have to go to a break soon, but I, I just want 
I want, I want you to see that this, I feel like Gideon's story is our story. I want, I, when we come back from this break, we're going to, I really want to unpack some of these themes and how, how, how Gideon's encounter can actually strengthen us. Uh, and, and we're going to go into that. So you're listening to Encounter, co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, EW10 Radio, and carried across the EW10 Global Catholic Radio Network. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to, we're going to unpack the story of Gideon and pray into that in Jesus' name. If you're currently an EWTN media missionary or just interested in becoming one, we've got some great news. EWTN Media Missionaries has a new and improved website. EWTNMissionaries.com, designed with you in mind. Our new site is loaded with great features and it's easy to navigate. There are so many different ways that you can help EWTN. Join us in sharing the eternal word with the world. Visit EWTNMissionaries.com today. Teresa Tamio. Every time I go to Mass and see my husband serving on the altar as a deacon, it hits me how, with God, all things are possible. I mean, there is no way that we should be still married, number one, based on all the problems we had. But number two, the fact that I'm in Catholic media and my husband is a deacon is simply a testimony to the power of God and the teachings of the Church that saved our marriage and, more importantly, our souls. Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Welcome back to Encounter, Dan, Gideon. Gideon is amazing, what do you right? Think? I just hope everyone is... Uh, like This 30, is a prototype. 32,000 men down to 300. Like, imagine that faithfulness of like the Lord saying, listen, I want you to put yourself in a position where you have to depend on me, mm-hmm. and only I can bring the victory. It, was, it's, it, it just blows my mind, 32,000 to 300. Mm-hmm. That is insane. Yeah, and Insane. I, I just, I, I, do you like this show format? Usually we have people in the flesh, but now we have people in the word coming out. And it's so, it's so inspirational because, um, I mean, I feel like so many people ask God for signs, you know, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, that's just as bad for me to do. But I don't know if it's bad, right? Like the Lord wants us, he wants to confirm his, his scripture his word for our, uh, scripture is good. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it includes signs. So, Yeah. Have faith in that. Have faith. Yeah, yeah. The Lord wants, he wants to confirm his word to us. I feel like, um, I love, um, I love novenas, like the St. Therese novena. Oh, yeah. Some people look at that as superstition. It's totally not. Like, yeah. I feel like you could come up with any novena you want. And like, just because you're asking God, you know, he's going to do something. And if he's like, all right, I'll do it through a flower or, you know, a rose or through a nine day prayer. Sure. I feel like it doesn't have to be a novena. You yeah. know, it it can be a fleece the next morning. That's great. Yep. Um, yeah, let's just, let's just trust God a little bit more. And I, I think um, one of the things about Gideon's encounter is um, that I really want to come back to is it all kind of came back to identity. Is that Gideon, he, he starts off, he's hiding in a wine press, saving the little that he has. And God doesn't want him to have poverty. He doesn't want him to be content with the poverty. He actually wants Israel to, to live in abundance. And we need to remember that. Yeah. Is that God actually wants, he, he provides uh, all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen to that. And so like, he's coming to him saying like, I'm, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm, I'm the Lord provider. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need to believe who you are. He called Gideon to be a deliverer, to be a mighty judge of Israel. And he called him from the beginning you know, hail, hail mighty man of valor. Mm-hmm. Like, this is amazing. Um, 
he, God actually speaks an identity over us. And this is what I love about prophetic ministries that God's given the church, the gift of prophecy to speak into our lives. And Dan, I don't know about you, but like, has there been opportunities where you've, you've received prophetic words that have spoken right to your identity? Yeah, definitely. I think they, uh, well, both from people, but even more so just from the silence of adoration and yeah. going to the Lord in prayer and just asking him to speak clearly who I am. I know that when I was, um, <clears throat> When I was young in in my conversion, I actually went to the Lord and I asked Him to start speaking a new name to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I because you see, Hail Mary, full of grace. Hail Gideon, mighty man of valor. Right. That that and um, the uh, the Lord spoke to me, lion hearted. That mm-hmm. uh, that that my heart was uh, would had had to have uh, the the authority of of a lion. And that just like that was. Uh, 13 years ago, the Lord spoke that to me. And it's, I went through in my early years of ministry, just a lot of persecution and rejection from the church. And, um, and that name carried me through that dark time where like, I was like, wait, Lord, I thought you were asking me to do this. And I thought you were asking me to be in ministry, but people were rejecting me. And, um, just that, like, no, Dan, I've called you to take dominion of this area and to really claim this land, this territory, uh, where you walk and just reminding myself of God's promise that this is the name he's given me and this is the name I, I'm called to to embrace and mm-hmm. to live. So good. I, I that, Let's just give the Lord a chance to speak right now. He called Dan a lionheart. He called Gideon a mighty man of valor, a warrior for the Lord. So Lord, we just ask you right now, we're going to give you a chance to speak to our listeners. Holy Spirit, what is their identity? Who Who are you calling them right now? Come Lord. Father, I thank you for everything that you're speaking in faith in Jesus' name. We just pray that, you, that will be, those words will be sealed in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, and if you just weren't getting, um, if you weren't getting a sense from the Lord there, like don't don't let this be a radio show that stops and then you stop. Right? Like let this take this into prayer this week and ask the Lord to to speak to you and to confirm your identity. Patrick, I just what's like. You started the show talking about your identity and like stepping away from that identity oh, yeah. that you were called to. What, well, like what happened? Oh yeah. So <laughs> I drove home and literally like the Holy Spirit didn't stop shouting and I kept like trying to drown him out. I got, I started crying. Um, I don't know, just like kind of tearing up and I'm not a super emotional guy. If you joined in late, Patrick was sharing a story about how he's a the pizza shop and God was asking him to reach out to a woman, right? And, yeah. By yourself. And, and because he, you know, he made these excuses and he walked away from that situation. Yeah. So you drove all the drove way home. home. I got home. I dropped off the pizza and then uh, I said prayer with the kids. And then I just looked at my wife and I said, I'm sorry, I've got to leave right now. The Lord told me to do something. And I don't know if this woman's still there, but I got to go back and check. And Joseph, <laughs> my son is like, dad, I'll go with you. Let's do it. You're not alone, dad. <laughs> and so Joseph and I drove back to this, uh, it was about 15 minute drive and we get there and I walk in and this woman's still there by herself. And literally, this is, I just walked straight up to her. And I just, I just looked at her. And I remember, I'm, literally, I got home and I remember like, no, I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a slave of fear. It's not who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm his golden boy. I'm his prophet. I, I, do, I do what he tells me to do. This is who I am. So I just go back and I'm going for it. And I just walk up to this woman and I just introduce myself. I said, hi, my name's Patrick. I don't know you. What's your name? And she said, my name's Margaret. And I said, yeah, Margaret, I don't know how to say it, but um, I wasn't here earlier. I got this pizza. The Lord told me to that I needed to talk and just he wants to really bless you through me. So 
yeah, is there anything that you need from God right now? <laughs> I didn't have a word of knowledge. I didn't have anything except I'm supposed to talk to her. And she said, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, well, um, and she's kind of looked, looked a little freaked out. And I said, well, if you don't have anything, I'm, I'm fine to go. But if you need something from God, now it's time to ask. And then she started actually saying, oh, my gosh. And then she started breaking down and getting really emotional and saying, like, I've been calling out to God for something and this is just really abrupt. And so she started sharing with me what her big prayer needs were. And, uh, you know, I just literally said, okay, I'm just going to pray and believe that God is going to just bring breakthrough. So we just prayed for those things, for manifestation and breakthrough. And she started crying and she looked at my son and she started getting really emotional. And she, we ended up staying there for like, maybe like 20 or 30 minutes, just loving on her. And she kept like hugging him and she was so lonely and, um, she was falling away from like the church and man, it was, it was such a beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, God is prompting us every day and we don't need to live in fear. We need to live in faith and faith comes from a conviction in who we are and what he's called us to do. Yeah, he's and- given us authority in Jesus's name to bring the blessings. Yeah. Amen. That's just beautiful. And I, you know, I think sometimes we can, we can think like, I don't have everything to say or to do or to give. And, you just all you gave the greatest rich the greatest riches of the kingdom, which is love, and yeah. right just being there with her, allowing her to know that God was with her, and that that God had sent an instrument, an angel, the Lord, to bless her and, and to strengthen her. And and listeners, uh, you have so much power and authority in your life. Um, not because of anything you do, but because of what God does through you. And we don't want to look at the world and to ask ourselves, how can I compare with the rest of the world? We just want to look to the Lord and say, Lord, how can you bring the darkness into my, like, give me victory over the darkness and where I'm at, right? When when I see people in darkness, how can I bring light? Yeah. So let's pray. Let's just pray for all of our listeners that they would have that faith to know who they are, what God has called them to do, and the, the faith and boldness to do it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much uh, for the for making us your children, that we have access to all of your riches, all of your glory, and that we come in the name of Jesus. So Lord, I pray that you would convict hearts of who they are, and they would not forget what they've done, that they would no longer respond to the fear around them, but they would have faith like Gideon to do what, what God has called them to do. Lord, I pray that you'd stir up uh, the dreams that you've given people, that they would no longer fall back into a small-minded thinking, but they would have that they would embrace the authority that they already have because you are with them. Lord, I just ask right now that you would make us a trumpet blast in the world, like Gideon's soldiers. I pray that we would no longer be quiet and timid and fearful, but that we would become bold and courageous and make a noise. Lord, I pray that you would raise up a new generation of Catholics who make a noise in this world with their love, with their power, with their authority that you've given them, Lord, so that the darkness turns on itself and, and just the chaos of this world uh, is brought to God's perfect order. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Encounter. It's a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To learn more about us or our show, you can go to EncounterRadio.com. That's EncounterRadio.org. Thank you so much. God bless you.